What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Uh, today we continue our series looking at things that are not in the Bible. Uh, last week was the second Sunday after Christmas and the Epiphany. So we looked at the story of the wise men who traveled to give gifts to baby Jesus. We found that there are quite a few things in the story we tell ourselves about Christmas that just aren't true. Our manger scene is way too full or doesn't have nearly enough people, depending on what time we're talking about. Uh, and either way, the good thing about the Epiphany is that it invites all of us to seek Jesus, to pursue God, no matter what our preconceived notions might be. The wise men, the magi, they were foreigners that knew essentially nothing about God. Uh, they knew nothing about the Jewish Messiah, the coming Messiah. Just as they were looking for Jesus, though, so can we, and it can change our whole lives as we pursue Jesus. Now we move on to another important date in the church calendar. Today is known as the Sunday of the Baptism of the Lord. So we are going to look at Jesus' baptism and consider what it could mean for us. Why do we do baptisms? What's the point? And does it have anything to do with what the Bible actually says? Uh, so our scripture for today comes from Acts chapter 10, where Paul talks about the baptism of John the Baptist and the anointing of Jesus. We heard earlier the story of Jesus's baptism itself, where folks have come from all over to see what all the excitement is about. John is a poor man dressing like an ancient prophet declaring the end of the world is near. Uh, I imagine people were going to see him because they wanted something of a show. They were looking for some entertainment. And here they find John the Baptist who insists that there is another one coming after him. And they are cut to the heart. They, they decide to change their lives in that moment and they get baptized in the water. And Jesus uh, he's going to come, the one coming after John the Baptist, he's going to baptize with water, uh, not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So let's hear our reading from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 34 through 48. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppress oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. 
While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's join together in prayer. God, may we be an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. As we explore the scriptures, help us to better understand what the Bible does and does not say so that we may better live a life of love for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, my family will tell you I'm not a huge fan of water. When everyone goes to the beach, I dread the trip. When we go to the town pool, it's very unlikely that I'll ever actually get into the water. I'm just not much of a fan of getting soaking wet in the middle of the day. Uh, it's stories like Luann's, though, that remind me I'm not alone in this. Luann was 78 years old when a hurricane hit. Like many of us being caught off guard this week by snow and ice, she didn't pay attention when the TV and radio would warn about incoming storms. This particular one, though, was different. Katrina was as big a hurricane as Louisiana had ever seen, and it meant more water than the area could handle. When Luann looked outside, everything seemed normal to her at first. She sat down for breakfast and was two bites into her meal when water started leaking in from the patio. When she checked on it and then went to another area in her house, she saw that the front door had water pouring in there too. She started to pack up, but within just a few minutes, she said she had five feet of water in her home. Uh, she had nowhere to go, no way out, so she did the only thing she could. She searched her home for something that would float so she could wait it out until she was rescued. And the one thing that she found that floated was a recent purchase she had made just a few months prior, her master bedroom queen-size mattress. It just happened to be buoyant, so she climbed up onto it and waited. She waited and waited. She had a little bit of food, some water, rationing it, eating and drinking, just a little each day until eight days later she was finally rescued. I couldn't imagine keeping cool and calm the way that Luann did. She said she drank only 12 ounces of water per day, just enough to keep her kidneys functioning. I feel like I would have drank the whole thing in the first day. Uh, she managed to survive the ordeal, though, and she's also said that she never, ever wants to see that much water again in her whole life. And that's the thing about water. It's absolutely devastating in the form of a hurricane or storm or flood, but it's also absolutely necessary to keep us alive. We can go weeks, maybe even a month without food, but no water will kill us in just a matter of days. We must have water for life. Ancient civilizations talked about water that brings people back from the dead or fountains that will keep you young and alive forever, like the fountain of youth. Uh, when we think of searching for aliens in space, we always look for signs of water on a planet first because without water, there is essentially no possibility of life. So it makes sense that Christianity has water at the center of our faith. We have a baptismal font, and it is always in the sanctuary to remind us of when we made our commitment to God and had water poured on us in our baptism. Our confirmands are reminded of their baptism when they are confirmed as young people. Again, water is used in that ceremony as a symbol of power and of life. 
In our hymnal, we have a prayer over the water before it is used for baptism. We say, in the days of Noah, you save those on the ark through water. We are remembering the devastating effect water can have in our world through flooding. Then we say, in the fullness of time, God sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb. Water brings life. Uh, but all of this is only a prelude to the most important dimension of water when it comes to our faith. Water is a source of cleansing. Water removes the dirt and the stains. It is a symbol of the end of how things were, and, and, and it symbolizes what things could be in the future. We might be wondering, though, if this is just a symbol, why do we keep doing it? If you poke around on social media long enough, you'll find videos of priests who baptize little babies in absolutely violent and horrific ways. Seeing a tiny baby completely submerged underwater is a startling enough image, but then to have a baby plunge head first over and over into water until the mother can stand no more and forcefully takes their child away from the priest, it's enough to make you wonder if this is really what Jesus meant when he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus mean by that? Why do we baptize people the way that we do? Do we really need to violently dunk babies into a bowl of water? Well, Jesus, he lived in Israel, a place that had very little water in general. So water is special there for sure. You might need it every day, but it was used sparingly. I think of how I wash the dishes every day after dinner. I turn the faucet on and it runs for several minutes as I clean each dish. They would never waste water like that in Israel. Every drop was precious and thoughtfully used. In Judaism, they would have their different instruments in the temple, items to light candles like we use or a special robe, and each was prepared for religious use with a sprinkling of water. No fancy words, no magic, just a sprinkle, and it was clean. But Judaism started to have a problem. People that were not Jewish started joining Judaism. How do you make someone who is not Jewish, Jewish? And they started using water. The same way the tools and items in the temple were made ready for religion, so were the people. When John the Baptist came on the scene hundreds of years later, he begins to use this symbol of outsiders joining Judaism in a new way. He tells everyone they have to get baptized. Why would Jewish people have to prove their Jewishness? I think of my two boys. Every Friday, there's a spirit day at their elementary school. Kids are encouraged to dress up in their school gear or wear the school colors. And for us, we had just moved to this town last year, so we bought them school shirts and hoodies. We went all out. It was especially important for our family because wearing those clothes helped them feel a part of things here. They belonged to a different school before, but now, now they belong here. The shirts mark them as part of this school. But imagine a teacher walks up to a student who had lived here his whole life and says, if you aren't wearing school colors, you aren't part of this school. That would probably confuse the student. They know school colors don't actually make them belong. They just do. They just belong on their own. They are part of this community whether they wear something special or not. So when John the Baptist tells other Jews they have to be baptized, they would have felt the same way. What do you mean we have to get baptized? That's for outsiders. We don't have to do anything to belong to God in this community. We just do. But John's point is that 
everyone must become clean. You can't just be born into the community of God like you can be born into a town's community. You have to be willfully choosing God. You have to go through a transition where you go from living the life that you choose for yourself to living a life in service of God. It is literally a kind of death, and that's another thing water can reveal for us. John the Baptist baptized the people in the Jordan River, though some say the water would would have been too shallow. It's likely that John was submerging people all the way under the water, going under the water, and it was like dying to themselves and coming up out of the water is like a person becoming new, committed to God, living for the Lord. Today, some people are still baptized in that way. I was baptized at 12 in a small pool that was built into the back wall of the sanctuary. It's called a believer's baptism because I chose it for myself when I was old enough to. Many United Methodist churches in the Midwest baptize exclusively in this way. Here at Grace and in many of the churches in our area, we, do, we, we baptize babies. Why do we do that? Why don't we wait until they're older and can choose for themselves? I've met with many parents with children, and I always ask them, why do you want to have your baby baptized? And their answers are almost always the same. It's either because the family expects them to, so thank you to grandma for reminding your children to have your grandchild baptized, or it's because they say that they want their baby to go to heaven. This, I think, is based on people thinking that baptism means you're Christian, and unless you're a Christian, you can't go to heaven. If we remain unclean in our sin and are not washed with the water of baptism, then we are barred from heaven. But that's not quite how it works. In fact, all major religions accept a basic idea that children, especially young children, cannot be held accountable for their sin, for their actions, because they can't possibly understand the repercussions of their actions. We call this the age of accountability. If you don't understand morality, how can you call a child immoral, right? And most religions point to the age of around 12 or 13 as the time that children start to gain that awareness. In Judaism, they would celebrate a bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah. Even in Islam, they recognize this transition of childhood to maturity where you are now accountable. In Christianity, some churches have a baptism to mark this transition, but when you are baptized as a baby, what we do instead is have confirmation. We confirm the choice someone's parents made for them as babies. Uh, we even repeat almost the entire ceremony again. The only thing that changes is that instead of repeating the baptism, we renew the baptism. We remind them of the commitment, of the cleansing that already took place, of the death that happens so that they might be clean from a previous life and choose a new one in God. For a lot of people, they say baptism is the most important thing that happens in a person's life. It means they can go to heaven because they are made clean with the water from the baptismal font. But if we are honest with ourselves, we know that we still sin even after baptism. If we are ever truly made clean, it doesn't last for very long. The Apostle Paul makes a similar point in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. He says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel. Now we know Paul did baptize plenty of people, but what he's, he's saying is the goal is not to baptize someone. That's not what is most important. When he proclaims the gospel, though, he is offering a person an opportunity to change their life, 
to turn from whatever they were doing before that led to death, to brokenness, to dead ends, and instead to choose life in God. Paul is refusing to elevate baptism above Jesus. The whole point of our faith is to serve Jesus. If we think sprinkling some water on our body will somehow magically get us into heaven, we got another thing coming. The only way we get to heaven is through Jesus. Baptism is the sign of of a life already pledged to him. Uh, Baptism could be done because we feel forced into it or, or obligated. That doesn't do us much good, does it? God invites us to give our whole lives to him and as a sign to the world, the baptism that we belong to him now. So let's end here. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata was 14 when she gave her life over to Jesus, but reflecting back on it, she realizes that she had confused the Christian life with the American dream. She could lose weight, get good grades, was voted captain of her sports team, and was set to go to a great college. What did she really need Jesus for? In fact, she thought she had done God a big favor in accepting Jesus into her life. Well, at 17, she ended up having a terrible diving accident that led to her becoming a paraplegic. She spiraled into a terrible depression and vowed she would never pray to God again for the rest of her life. She had even asked her friends to help end her own life. Diving into that water had truly been a death for Johnny. But after this intense struggle came a different response. One day she did pray to God, and her prayer was this, God, if I can't die, show me how to live. She says that is probably the most powerful prayer she ever prayed in her life. Her life was forever changed. She is now one of the longest living paraplegics in history, served on the National Council on Disability, helping to pass the Americans with Disabilities Act, Uh, Act and started a ministry to the disabled and their families. She is helping them find dignity and purpose. She went under the water thinking she was in charge and came out of it living for God. Baptism changes us like that. It marks us as God's beloved and changes the focus of our lives from ourselves to God and living for others. I want to invite you into a new life like that. My family is here with me, and I'm going to invite them forward to a holy moment. You don't need a priest or a pastor to remind you of your baptism. A little water is all you need. As I pray over the water we have, uh, I want you to get a little water yourself and remember that you are holy and clean, not because you can do it on your own, but because Jesus can do that in us. When we allow him to, when we let him into our lives, that's when we are transformed. That's when our whole lives go from Living, living for ourselves, living in, in darkness and brokenness, to living for God, to seeing the light. And so I want to invite you into a holy moment where we remember the light that God has called us to through remembering our baptism. pray together. Eternal God, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to the freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John, anointed by your spirit. 
he called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it, to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory. Amen. At this time, I want to invite my family to come forward to receive uh, a baptismal renewal. Helen, remember your baptism. Remember and be thankful. Evie, remember your baptism and be thankful. Emily, remember your baptism and be thankful. Amen. May this be a blessing to you at home as well. Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.